Welcome back. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever, wherever you're listening to this. This is the Rich Swish Sports Show, and today we have to discuss where the Bills and the Packers go from their losses last week. But obviously the main topic, something I really didn't plan on until it happened last night, because I wanted to upload last night, but then um, in the midst of that, the rumors with Stafford were getting hot, and then bam, he's traded to LA. So... We'll talk about that and how it impacts both sides of things. And um, if there's time after that, we'll go over the coaching hires made by the Texans and Eagles. Obviously, by the sound of these two teams, uh, you probably can guess I don't have great things to say about them. So before I do get started, I want to kind of give a little channel update. Uh, I'm working on, you know, creating videos and basically dividing up the podcast into little segments I can upload on YouTube so that, um, for one, diversify and expand the platform, but also so that, like, for people that, you know, just want to hear what I want to say about their team or what my take is on a very specific topic, you can just go to that instead of, um, you know, having having to listen to me for an hour trying to wait for your topic. But I'm glad that for the people that do listen to the whole show, obviously, I'm going to keep the podcast going. Still going to be on Spotify, Apple. Um, Eventually, I will probably change the name to just the Swish Sports Show. Um, Rich Swish Sports was never the intended name. It was just I needed, I wanted to get my content out. And that was just kind of a name that came into my head off the top. So yeah, So let's get right into it. I don't really want to go over the games from last week because, I mean, they happened a week ago. We all know what the Super Bowl matchup is, and there's really no point rehashing over the games that happened. Um, I'm sure most people that listen to this obviously know what happened last week. So let's just go straight into the Packers. or We'll start with the Bills because it's a lot easier discussing where they go from here. So the Bills had a great season this year. Uh, They won the AFC East. And obviously, they made it to the conference championship behind the stellar play of their quarterback, Josh Allen, as well as an all-pro season from their recently acquired receiver, Stephon Diggs. Now, um, I think a lot of people are saying that they should invest in a running back early, and I couldn't disagree more. Um, While I have a lot of respect for the running backs in the league and how they can improve your offense... Uh, There is really no value in taking a running back in the first round unless your roster is like dead on perfect. Like even the Chiefs taking um, Edwards Hilaire last year was kind of just meaningless for one because he's like he's just another weapon. You know what I'm saying? Like and that's what I'm saying. Like when when your roster is dead on, you just don't really need um, anything else. You can just take a running back that's available. But the main reason you don't take a running back is because we've just seen so much talent at the position come out um, in different rounds. Like Derrick Henry wasn't a first-round pick. Alvin Kamara wasn't a first-round pick. James Robinson, who had one of the best seasons for a rookie running back, if not the best, was undrafted, I'm pretty sure. Jonathan Taylor wasn't a first-round pick. And the list goes on and on. Even Aaron Jones, I believe, was a six-round pick by the Packers. So, again... I think one of the main issues that happened with the Bills game is that Chris Jones from the defensive line was really causing havoc, and that really showed a hole in the interior of the Bills offensive line. So I think in a class where there isn't too many interior offensive line, it's a tackle deep class, but there's only so many guards and centers available. And centers, you know, you can vary them and kind of put them into guard like what the Saints did with Cesar Ruiz, and so forth. So I think you want to um, go after an interior lineman in the draft, potentially Creed Humphrey. But um, aside from that, there are like minor holes in their defense, despite it being a very deep and good unit. I think there's op- opportunities to get a better second cornerback next to Tredavious White. Taron Johnson and Levi Wallace are like okay, but they also do give up big plays. And I'm not just saying that just because, like, the Chiefs put up 30. Because, let's be honest, like, when the Chief offense is on, it's, it's like, almost impossible to stop. Like, that one play where Tyreek Hill, like, t- 
took like a curl and then like ran it around the field for like 60 yards like you just can't do anything about that just godspeed type stuff and um so yeah if you can get another corner and i think as far as linebackers go now linebacker isn't like it's another one of those positions where like you don't really need to invest too much into it because a lot of defenses are successful with like a mediocre linebacker group one being the rams defense who have like a really dominant offensive line and of course a good secondary while using guys like leonard floyd and kenny young as their you know linebacker corn those are basically just mediocre players at best so anyway um yeah if the bills can get another corner and oh my bad i totally it slipped my mind but what i really wanted to say was so tremaine Edmonds, uh despite being a pretty good linebacker he has insane physical gifts such as that speed that he flashed and making some amazing tackles across the year where he's like chasing down running backs or just following them across the field and while he's good well I will, he's above average in run defense he really struggles in coverage and i think he got burned a lot last week and that's just um, that's just something they're going to have to patch up, especially when you're going up against guys like t- um, Travis Kelsey and other tight ends. And while, you know, like I said, Edmonds has the speed to go after them. He really struggles in coverage units. Uh, he seems to lack awareness at times and etc. So if they can also grab like a linebacker, I think that would also be more valuable. And yeah, if they if they want to grab a running back in the fourth or fifth round, like I'm not going to say that's a bad pick. I'm just saying that those three, the interior offensive line, linebacker and uh, cornerback depth are probably more pressing needs on this team. Um, If you can get like another tight end, maybe just for Josh Allen, just to throw him another weapon. uh, I think that would also be useful. But yeah, I mean, Kylan Hill. You know, Chubba, Hubbard, and some other guys like Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Some running backs that will be available in the late round that have a lot of potential of, you know, being an immediate impact next year. So, I mean, that's really how far um, I think the Bills need to, like, get. Um, This is still, like, a really young unit. Uh, Sean McDermott's a great young coach. You know, Josh Allen definitely hasn't hit his peak yet because uh, we did see some decision-making flaws from him. Um, Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen just kind of looked like Josh Allen from the Texans game of last year where he was a little bit erratic, seemed really unsettled, and, you know, under pressure, he was kind of really struggling to make the correct read, which caused him to make some bad throws, some into double coverage, which um, obviously ended up, one one of them ended up in a turnover, and so forth. So, um, and I also think, like, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are two solid running backs. You know, I don't think either one of them is a star. I really thought Singletary would be more impactful in the passing game because of his speed and elusiveness, but that hasn't really happened yet. So, if you want to go for a running back in the late rounds, I would say get someone that can really help in the passing game. And that's exactly why I brought up Demetric Felton from UCLA. Uh, apparently, he might be converting to full-time receiver, but he still has running back traits, which means he could probably be used like a Ty Montgomery type of player, which I think would be just another step forward for this Bills offense, barring injury. And the Chiefs are still going to be in the conference for sure. But, uh, the, I mean, just the better you can make this team, like from the draft and, you know, some minor free agency acquisitions. If you want to beef up the interior through that, I think they have a really good chance to get back to the AFC championship and potentially make the Super Bowl next year. Um, I still think from a talent perspective, they're the best team in the East. And I don't really see anything really changing that unless like Miami got Deshaun Watson per se. And even then it would be pretty debatable because the Jets um or not the Jets the Dolphins roster still has some holes here and there so yeah I mean the Bills are probably in the best position definitely the better between the two losers of the championship games so that's all I have to say about them um great season for them I'm very excited to watch the Bills going forward and how Josh Allen continues to improve his game now 
the next team is a little bit harder to discuss. Uh, it's the Green Bay Packers. And that game against the Buccaneers, while it was exciting, it was also just so disappointing. I mean, first off, Tom Brady came out, you know, just slugging it, right? They went up like 28-10. The offense was in perfect rhythm. And you're like, oh, boy, like, this this is, might be over. But then uh, you saw the Packers' defense adjust. And, well, everyone except Kevin King adjust. But the Packers' defense adjusted. And Tom Brady had some really bad throws in the last drive of the first half and to start the second half. Um, I believe he finished with three interceptions. And these are multiple opportunities that the Packers just couldn't do anything on. And I'll give a lot of credit to the Buccaneers' defense there. Um, and that I'm going to talk about the Buccaneers defense more when I do my Super Bowl predictions on Friday. Um, so I don't want to go too into it, but if you're Aaron Rodgers, you know, a guy that many people consider the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. Now, you know, before you guys come at me in the comments, because I know a lot of my fans are pa- um, Patriots fans as well. Most talented doesn't mean greatest quarterback of all time. And that's obvious because Aaron Rodgers just, yeah, I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion, but his career has just been such a letdown so far. And to see him fail again on the big stage in a game that was definitely winnable, they had a really good defensive unit that was playing really well in the second half. And they had that opportunity. And I'm not going to blame Aaron Rodgers for not like audibling the field goal himself and going for it on fourth down. You know, that that was just a bad call on the coach's part. And Aaron Rodgers has never been the type to go against a play call. But I will hold him against not running it when he had an open lane. Now, a lot of people say that's an easy touchdown. I don't believe so. I think he, first of all, he had, I think, Levante David behind him. But Devin White, who's very fast, was also going to cut him off eventually, and I don't think he would have reached the end zone. However, that would have set up even better field position, and that would have made things more ideal for going on fourth down. Other than that, I mean, there's there's really not much positive things to say about the Packers' performance. Kevin King um, maybe played the worst game by a cornerback I'd seen in a long time, and... While I had a problem with the pass interference at the end of the game, that's not because it wasn't a pass interference. It definitely was. And it, it was like a desperation foul. You know, I guess like that's how you could put it on Kevin King's part where he gets burned and just does something stupid, like just yank the dude's shirt. And but like my issue with the call was mainly like if you're not going to call it all game, how can you do it in like the most pivotal sense? But in the end, I mean, would Aaron Rodgers even done anything with that? Like all those opportunities wasted. There was no indication that they would go down and score. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, that's basically like a game review. So on to the next things for the Packers. So it really does all start with Aaron Rodgers. And his press conference left a lot of questions, you know. And I think people are a little bit overblowing it, thinking he's going to get traded. Because for one, um, I'm pretty sure his contract's like near untradeable, right? And he's going to be asking for MVP money now. Like when he does uh, get a new contract, which again sets up more problems for the Packers. Because you drafted a quarterback last year, Jordan Love, in the first round. And do you want to invest in Aaron Rodgers for multiple years? in a contract that will eat away at your salary cap in total like totality like Jordan Love is a quarterback I think with a lot of promise he was my second favorite quarterback last year behind Joe Burrow even above Herbert and that's because I wasn't really high on Herbert coming out and obviously I was proven wrong about that but Jordan Love um stupendous arm good mobility and he can make like a variation of elite throws. And while he does like struggle decision making wise, or while he struggled in his final season at Colorado, that was mainly because they had lost 10 starters from the year before. And they didn't bring in any good recruits per se. 
and the coaching staff was also terrible, which made his statistics look very unappealing. But there's a reason he was drafted in the first round. I didn't think he would go to the Packers, but I did think he would go to some team in the first round. So the question is, do you want to shift to him now? Do you think he's ready? And if he is, I think you let Aaron Rodgers walk. And that's a hard decision, but I think we just saw it with the Saints where, you know, they go deep in the playoffs for four years, or they get to the playoffs for four years with a dominating regular season record, but they always fall short. And while Drew Brees was an all-time great, he was the primary reason behind each of these failures. Just lackluster performances, poor decision-making down the stretch, and ultimately collapsing out of the playoffs for four straight seasons despite being the higher seed. Do the Packers want to commit to a cycle of mediocrity where they're getting to the playoffs but unable to make the next step? Getting to the NFC Championship is not an easy thing to do. I know Brady just made it look really easy, but the Bucks probably have the most loaded roster in the NFL. The Packers do not, and the Packers are getting older now. And now there needs to be serious thought into decision-making. And this is why I think with you do need like a better front office situation in Green Bay. Now, if you don't know about the Packers, it's like a board because there is no direct owner of the Green Bay Packers. It's like a, a board of members type thing. I don't really know how exactly to describe it, but that's basically what it is. And I think with an owner who can put his foot down and say, this is the direction we want to go. And whether that be good or bad, like, you know, you have a plan in place. It does feel like the Packers are in a a bit of a chaotic point in their timeline where there isn't much certainty in anything. Are you going to give Aaron Jones money? That brings me to my next point. The Packers also drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round last year. And he was pretty promising um, in his rookie season. And the Jamal or Jonathan Williams, or I think it might be Jamal Williams. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones trio was one of the best uh, running back groups in the NFL. But there is things that are being said that Aaron Jones wants to be paid like a top five running back, and that is a little bit tricky. Now Derrick Henry seems to be like the only guy who's gotten a massive contract and it's paid off. Kamara too. But um. You know, McCaffrey, Zeke are examples of running backs who have, you know, gotten injured or fell off a little bit. And we've seen Aaron Jones deal with injuries as well. Like, it's just, I I just, I love running backs because they're one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. Princely receivers are my favorite, but it's really hard in this day and age to commit to a running back when you're getting like a three-year stretch of, you know, their prime, and then declining returns on that while you're paying them massive salaries. So they have to decide right there what they want to do. Um, As far as the draft goes, if it wasn't clear before, it was definitely clear after last week. Get some help for Jair Alexander in the secondary. Kevin King was terrible. And it's not like a first time or like an anomaly with Kevin King. He was definitely the weak point of this offense, and Tom Brady was smart enough to continually harass and attack Kevin King. I mean, he literally played one of the most terrible, one of the worst cover cover jobs I've ever seen with the late first half touchdown to Scotty Miller. You have a speedy guy who's obviously going into the end zone. Why would you play the route like it's a comeback? There was almost no reason for him to let Scotty Miller run right past him and then decide like half a second after to follow him. And by that point, it's already too late because Brady's going to make you pay if you fail. And that's exactly what happened. So get some help for him. Um, While the offensive line, I think, overall is a good unit, they do have some free agents there with David Lindsley. And um, you definitely want to beef up the interior always um if you're gonna commit to Aaron Rodgers and even if you're gonna play Jordan Love uh either way you need a good offensive line because one's an old quarterback with an injury history 
One's a young quarterback that's going to take some time adapting to the league, unless, of course, he's like the next Patrick Mahomes, which I don't think he is. And um, with Alan Lazard being a free agent, I think you want to get another receiver. I think the Packers wide receiver group gets a little bit too much maligned because at the end of the day, these guys were making plays in the playoffs. Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard both had pretty good days against Tampa. But again, it just came down to failed opportunities. But there is like a lot of receiver talent. I don't think uh, taking a first-round receiver is necessary this year as much as it probably pains a lot of Packers fans to hear that. You will be able to find someone in later rounds, whether that be the second, third, or so forth. There is a lot of talent. I will say there is basically as much talent as last year's draft class. And this is a little bit of a hot take. I can't say for certain yet. I haven't scouted every single qualifiable receiver um, that I have on my big board for seven rounds, but it does appear that this receiving class might be a little bit better than last year. So, you know, I don't know if someone's going to break Justin Jefferson's record after that, but coming out of college, what I'm saying, I think the receivers this year are better than the receivers last year coming out of college. You had questions with guys with Ruggs and uh, Jalen Rager. Even Justin Jefferson, you had some major questions with. But I don't really see those questions with the top end of this receiving group. And also, like, when Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, I think, and Brashad Bateman will all be off the board by the time the Packers pick, it's better off just waiting another round. You'll be able to find someone that slips through the cracks because there's always a lot of talents that slips through. Denzel Mims, um, who had a massive combine, fell to the Jets in the third round, I believe. Looked very productive. Darnell Mooney, of course, on Chicago, despite playing with terrible quarterback play. He was very productive in his rookie year, and so forth. So get yourself a second cornerback, because Jair Alexander is elite, and goes without saying. Um, Potentially get a linebacker down the line. There isn't a lot of linebacker talent in the draft, but if you can pick up one in free agency, um, that would probably be very helpful. I haven't looked at the entire free agent class right now, so I can't just toss out a name to you guys. Uh, don't want to feed you guys misinformation. And yeah, I mean, aside from that, just the question marks about this team going forward leave me a little confused just because the uncertainty in almost every department. I think the only constant is like, Matt LaFleur will probably still be the head coach next year, you know? Uh, I do think Aaron Rodgers will be back in Green Bay. Uh, I just, it, it would be so weird if he leaves Green Bay. And I know we just saw Tom Brady leave. We saw Phillip Rivers leave um, to Chargers to go play for the Colts the other year and uh, or last year. But it would just be really weird seeing Rodgers uh, leave Green Bay. And I just don't know what would be the return because I mean I, I heard from uh Zach Schaumler of Strong Opinion Sports he was suggesting Deshaun Watson f- to Green Bay for Rodgers and like some assets traded in between and while that would be interesting I just don't see that going down and I'll talk more about that when I talk about the coaching hires and stuff like that but yeah that's all I have for the Packers um I don't I think they might have hit their peak going into the NFC Championship. You know, Rodgers is going to get a year older. He still plays like he's avoiding contact, even though he put up an MVP this year. And you should, you know, avoid contact because NFL is very injury heavy and massive contact sport. But, you know, throwing, doing too many throwaways early, you know, not trusting his guys, stuff like that. Just that and like, the questions on defense, especially in the secondary and even in the linebacker group, just leave me wondering if this team has reached their peak and also if Aaron Jones leads. So that's all I have for the Packers. Um, they still had a great season again, but obviously it fell short of expectations and it has to be pretty disappointing. You know, not reaching the Super Bowl, although it seemed like you had every single chance in the world. 
So, on to the main event of our topic tonight, of our um, show tonight. That is the Matt Stafford trade. Now, if you're not familiar, um, first of all, what have you been doing for the last day? But uh, Matt Stafford got sent to the LA Rams for Jared Goff, two first-round picks, and I believe a second and a third. So, we'll start with the Rams. And this will be in the title of the show today. But the Rams are immediate contenders for next year's Super Bowl. In fact, I'll tell you right now, they'll reach the NFC Championship. This team was like the most, uh, what you know, there's always that, there's a phrase, right, for a bunch of these teams that, oh, these like Washington, for example. This is a quarterback away from being yada, yada, yada. The Rams are were literally a quarterback away from being the best team in the league. And I'll talk more about Jared Goff when I talk about the Lions side, but he just couldn't get the job done, right? He has a limited skill set, and uh, again, I'll just talk more about it when we talk about the uh, Lions side. But Matt Stafford has been one of the best quarterbacks uh, for many years now, and he's gone largely under the radar because his career has been wasted in Detroit. I don't think there's any doubting that. Um but from a skill set standpoint, I mean, he offers the same mobility as Jared Goff. Uh, I think he can move around in the, in the pocket a little bit better. He's a little bit smarter about that. Uh, he makes great reads. I think he's has way better awareness of everyone on the field. Um, but the main selling point is that arm talent. Even at age 32, potentially 33 now, uh, not sure about that, but he has one of the strongest arms in the league. And... Again, going back to who Matt Stafford is, this guy was the number one pick by the Detroit Lions back in 2009 out of Georgia University, and he's just gone through the mud with Detroit. Of course, he had his heyday with Calvin Johnson um, and Jim Caldwell at coach where they made the playoffs but obviously didn't win anything and actually failed to win a single playoff game. So I get there's questions about him as a winner, but again... You just have to look at the Detroit Lions franchise as a whole and how they've operated for the entirety of Matt Stafford's tenure there. And you just have to realize, like, it's really not Stafford's fault. He's probably had the worst and, uh, well, not worst, but, like, I'd say most wasted potential of any quarterback, per se. And uh, unfortunately, it looks like Joe Burrow might be heading down that list with the Bengals org, but that's a conversation for a couple years down the line. With Matt Stafford, you get a quarterback that isn't turnover prone. I believe he, he threw, he's been throwing single-digit INTs for a couple years now. Um, very smart passer. He literally can make any throw that Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers uh, Russell Wilson, whoever you consider the best passer in the league, he can make the same throws as them. The no looks, the back shoulder passes, the flips, you know, the sidearms. Matt Stafford can truly do it all. And I'm so happy for this guy to finally get out of Detroit and go to L.A. And from an L.A.'s perspective, you know, I thought there was no way that Matt Stafford doesn't go to San Francisco or Indiana. I thought that was just locked in as like, okay, this is going to happen, you know, this way or this way. I was so shocked when I found out the Rams did it, and I'm so happy that the Rams did it. Now, a lot of people criticize the Rams, and rightfully so, because they've sacrificed so much draft capital into this team that this team is in the ultimate win-now mode. It's kind of similar to, you know, how the Nets and Clippers gave up, like, seven eight years of draft assets for guys like Paul George and James Harden but in football terms so um with this roster right now you know there are holes like I said the linebacker core is pretty mediocre um John Johnson I believe is hitting free agency and I think they need to tag him or something you definitely want that guy back on your team next year because I believe he was a pro bowler uh correct me if I'm wrong again but he's one of the best safeties in the league, and you definitely can't let him walk. Um, as far as needs go otherwise, like, yeah, maybe you can get, like, another corner uh, to surround Jalen Ramsey with. But 
I mean, with that defensive line headed by Aaron Donald and the secondary headed by Jalen Ramsey, it really is not that much complaints with this team. From an offensive side, you know, the offensive line is like mediocre, and I believe Whitworth is probably going to retire. Um, and even if not, he's just not as good as he once was. So maybe beef up the tackle position. Uh, this is a really deep tackle class. I think you guys are going to see a ton of tackles go in the first two rounds, and um, rightfully so, because there's a lot of guys, especially after like the success of Mackay Becton and Tristan Wirfs this year. Um, you know, people see the impact a tackle can do on a quarterback and the production of the offense itself. Uh, the Rams again have also one of the best running back groups in the league. Darrell Henderson is a strict rusher that runs hard, doesn't really impact the passing game. Um, Malcolm Brown is kind of like a dual threat. He's okay in the passing game, but he's another great runner. But Cam Akers is the guy to watch next year. Uh, obviously, we all saw him caught, catch fire in the playoffs, and he had a really good second half of the regular season. The rookie from Florida State, uh, I think, is really going to bounce into stardom next year. And again, that's huge for a team without a lot of draft capital uh, to have someone like that on their rookie deal. And we haven't even talked about the receivers. Um, they have they have this tight end that I'm just blanking out. Higby. Tyler Higby. Uh, pretty good tight end right there. I don't think they'll be able to bring back Gerald Everett. So maybe, you know, get a guy like Brevin Jordan from Miami in the mid-rounds. Another receiving threat to give to Stafford. And talking about the receivers itself, I mean... This, you can make a case for this being the best receiving core Stafford has ever played with. Um, I would say the only one else that is even comparable is when they had Calvin Johnson, Nate Burleson, and uh, Titus Young. If you guys remember Titus Young, pretty good rookie. And then he kind of had a lot of mental issues that totally derailed his career. And he's out of the league. But Cooper Cup... Robert Woods, two great receivers right there. Robert Woods, more of a possession threat, while Cooper Cup can basically do anything on the field. And as, as long as he stays healthy, because injuries have been a concern for him in the past. But even outside of those two, um, you have Van Jefferson, who I really like as a big play target, and Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, who's kind of like a hybrid of a wide receiver tight end to where he's like a really decent pass blocker and he can also make a lot of like jump ball plays and stuff like that you saw him kind of be used as a bailout for Jared Goff a lot this year and I'm really excited to see Matt Stafford gel with this receiving core but you know you can always add a little bit more talent in the late later rounds of the draft of course they only have limited picks so they should really narrow it down to their absolute top needs and if they feel like giving, you know, Matt Stafford the most weapons they can is the top priority, then by all means, go ahead. This team is one of those teams that right now they look certified at every position. You know, like I said, uh, I think the depth could be worked on. You have starters everywhere, but you don't have good backups everywhere, which is um, interesting to say because they have a lot of great backups still like uh, Brockers, and you know, and I just told you about the running back group, Van Jefferson, uh, Higby's backup, and even, um, who's the receiver I was just talking about? Josh Reynolds. So, yeah, improve the tackle depth, I think, is number one for me. Definitely want to keep Matt Stafford healthy, even though he's one of the toughest quarterbacks I've seen. Of course, I think everyone's now seen that clip of him fighting off the torn shoulder back when he was like a, a kid almost which again just shows how badly run the lines are how can you let your star quarterback go in there with a torn shoulder and then not only that you call a pass play and don't have calvin johnson in there for your guy with a torn shoulder makes no sense um but yeah that's all i have for the rams i'm very excited to watch this team next season uh, i think this is this can seriously be a super bowl winning team if everything goes right, and, you know, and you don't have injuries that derail your season. And, of course, there are going to be injuries, and I'm talking, like, you know, season-ending injury type stuff. Now, for the Lions, uh, there are a couple things I have. 
Um, I do think this is a win-win trade. So I think the Lions got back a pretty good haul. Although I do have some questions about bringing Jared Goff in. Now, they brought in Jared Goff mainly because Brad Holmes is their new GM. And he came from L.A. So he was actually in charge when they drafted Jared Goff in the first place. And he was also responsible for basically working with McVay to build a roster around Jared Goff to where Goff looked really good in that one season that Gurley was near MVP status, and they obviously got to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm assuming that one of two things. You know, one, Goff is just a placeholder, and he was just kind of in the trade for it to make sense money-wise, and he's just a placeholder for the next quarterback to come along into their grasp, and two, that Brad Holmes actually believes that he can rebuild another roster around Jared Goff to take to the Super Bowl. Now, I hope it is the former, not the latter, because I do not believe in Jared Goff at all. I was never a believer of his coming out of college, and I think he plateaued in that Super Bowl year. I've seen no growth from him since then, and that's really... That's really all I have to say about Jared Goff. Like, this guy, between the like all the first-round quarterbacks that have come out since Goff and Wentz came out in, I believe, 2016, I think Goff and Haskins are, have, probably have the two worst like overall skill sets. You know, you can maybe throw Tagovailoa in there, but Tagovailoa has, still has remarkable accuracy. And I think when he's healthier, he'll be able to be a little bit more mobile. Goff doesn't have a strong arm at all. One of the weaker arms in the league. Uh, he's not accurate. His decision making is really poor. Sometimes he'll hold on to the ball for too long. And he just doesn't offer much outside the pocket either. I mean, they were rolling Goff's like highlights when they were talking about the trade on ESPN yesterday. And... I'm just watching every throw. Like, wow, there is not a single throw in this uh, clip that has a perfect spiral. I know that's like a really picky thing to say, but you'd think an NFL quarterback highlight reel would at least show one perfect spiral pass. And I'm sure he's thrown it before. Like, I'm not going to say he straight up can't throw a football, but there's just so many things he struggles at. And with a skill set that's painfully average. Um, it is going to take a ton of work if the Lions truly believe that they can build a roster around Jared Goff that's good enough to get them to the Super Bowl or get them even to the playoffs. I mean, that that Rams team still needed uh, Aaron Donald and uh, Todd Gurley to have like an MVP caliber season. Like when you have a defense as good as theirs, that really helps a lot and rebuilding a defense like that in Detroit where there's really not that much assets right now and yes you have a lot of draft capital but we'll see how they do I just don't have a lot of faith in them I think Jeffrey Okuda their third overall pick from last season will be better this year because I think he was like absolutely abysmal last year but still I mean, Snacks Harrison's probably or Snacks Harrison was on the Packers, so yeah. If if you want to think about the Packers, Snacks Harrison another big free agent for them. But um, you know, Jeffrey Okuda's there. Desmond Trufant's I think a free agent again, and Trufant's like just mediocre. I've watched him on the Falcons for like seven eight seasons, and even saw you know some of him in Detroit. And while he's like a decent man corner, I think he does do a decent job but he for one just can't catch like I've seen him drop so many interceptions it's so frustrating Justin Coleman is a pretty good nickel corner I think he was their most productive player in the secondary last year um but that might change obviously in a new scheme new head coaching with everything Aaron Glenn is their new DB's coach from the Saints and I do think he's well he's not uh he was the DB's coach for the Saints and now he's their defensive coordinator while I do have faith in them um, the Saints secondary definitely had way more talent than the Lions secondary currently does. And just the defense as a whole just doesn't have a lot of talent. So with their picks, um, this is a little bit tricky. I don't think 
you grab a quarterback, obviously, now that you have Goff under contract for a while. And I think he's going to be there for at least two years, I'll give him. And I guess you'd want to get him a weapon. I don't think Amendola will be back. I don't think Kenny Galladay will be back. And I don't think Marvin Jones will be back. These people that are leaving Detroit, you know, went through the Matt Patricia era. It's, even though you have a new regime and, like, it's totally scrapped off, I mean, the way that Stafford didn't want to go to the Pats at all, which is something I'm going to talk about later, but just because of Matt Patricia, you know, players just probably aren't going to want to come back to the Lions. But, uh, yeah, so get get, get uh, Goff a nice target. Maybe a Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, whoever basically falls to them at seven. Um, they already have TJ Hawkinson there. I think he'll have a decent season next year. I do believe in his talent. He's still pretty young. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you have a first-round, like, target especially, um, people want immediate production. But with tight ends, it usually takes a little bit of time before they get into the full swing of things. So, yeah. Uh, of course, you got all the draft capital now. Two more firsts and a second and a third. And that's a good haul because, you know, losing Matt Stafford was inevitable. And again, I'm really glad that they gave Stafford a chance to go somewhere where he has a good opportunity to win instead of do what the Texans are doing and act like they're not going to trade him. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's interesting to see where the Lions will go for here. This definitely changes the scope of my own mock draft, mock draft, which I've been working on for months and that I'm excited to share with you uh, eventually. But yeah, I mean, this is where the Lions rebuild starts. I don't think they'll win a lot of games next year based on their roster. And even with Goff at quarterback, Goff isn't a quarterback that wins you games with his natural talent or natural ability. He's someone that if you put in a good system, good foundation, then he can get the job done. And even then, saying he gets the job done is a stretch. But I don't want to roast Goff too much, so that's all I'll save for the Lions. Actually, no. Let's talk about Goff a little bit more. It's really telling that Goff was just gone, just like that. A guy that they gave over $100 million, you know. And someone who's had a pretty average career Uh, again I don't think he's good I don't think he's terrible either but just amazing how low his value was and how just LA got rid of him the first chance they got and that's just really telling you know with McVeigh being a mastermind like can Goff even duplicate the production that he was doing in LA and that being the production wasn't that great Goff's next couple years will make or break if he's like a total bust or not. But that's all I'll say for the Lions and the future of Jared Goff. So for the last uh, bit of the show, I want to talk about two coaching hires that I feel strongly negative about. (laughs) Sorry to kind of just put it out there, but um, let's start with the Eagles. Nick Sirianni and... I didn't know much about this guy when they first hired him, other than, okay, he's a Frank Reich disciple, which means the Eagles are definitely leaning towards, you know, giving Wentz another shot, which I have no problem with. He's a $100 million quarterback. You know, from an individual talent perspective, he's definitely the most talented quarterback. And um, again, he's making $100 million, man, like, you're tied into him, and you want to recapture that MVP form you saw early on in his career. Because early on, it really did look like Carson Wentz was elite, and he was going to be elite for a long time. A lot of people still had him in their top five quarterbacks coming into this season. Now, of course, this season was an unbelievable disaster. and There are people on both sides that some people blame Doug Peterson, some people blame Wentz. It's a mix of both, which is unfortunate. But yeah, so Nick Sirianni is given the opportunity to coach the Eagles. And boy, he had a really bad first impression on Eagles fans based on what I've seen from Twitter reactions and just watching the clip of him saying, we're going to implement some systems and, you know, they're going to be smart systems. And But 
they're going to be smart for our quarterbacks and they're going to be easy for our offense to learn, but they're going to be complicated for opposing defenses and offenses to counter. What? Man, that that is not how anything works, man. How is it you're going to run a simple system, but it's going to be impossible for the opposing team to solve? That, that just makes no sense. And for one, it just looked like I don't want to rash into this guy because chances are he's a good coach and he just struggles with public speaking. But it literally looks like the times that I was in high school and college and I had no idea I had a presentation coming up and I had to improvise a presentation because he just didn't know. It didn't look like he knew what he was talking about when it comes to the state of the Eagles um, I saw some other clips, you know, he didn't really give anything to explain his offensive foundation or what systems he runs. And I just think in the end, he's probably just another guy that runs the Reich offense, which means a extremely aggressive offense. So this is, this is just an indication that this is it for Carson Wentz. He either has to ball out or the team's going to have to find a way to trade him like LA did golf this year. Now, there's a good chance that the market for quarterbacks will never be as open as it is right now with guys like Watson just available for the picking. Or Watson's technically not available, but, I mean, let's let's be honest, there's no salvaging that. So Wentz has to show that he can actually at least play up to like 70% of what that MVP season was. Because last year he just held the ball for too long. His decision-making was terrible. He was wildly inaccurate. Like, yeah, he didn't have the best receiving group, but how many times are we going to use that excuse until it gets old? Like, at the end of the day, like, he st- like Travis Fulgen came on, and he was probably one of the best jobs, like, did one of the best jobs of creating separation for that brief stretch where he was going off. And then he seemed to just fade away. I just didn't understand. Rager came back, and he didn't have much of an impact. But, you know, what was interesting to note was that, you know, there were, like, people like Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, who said, oh, our team loves Carson Wentz and stuff like that. So why was it that as soon as Jalen Hurts was in the game, the team looked like they suddenly had life to them? And, of course, the team went back to, like, normality a couple weeks. They didn't didn't finish well. You know, Jalen Hurts got benched, obviously, and a highly criticized decision by Doug Peterson, which ultimately got him fired. But, yeah, I mean, this is it for Carson Wentz. He either has it or he doesn't. And if not, you know, you go from there. I still want to see Jalen Hurts start. I think he's a smarter quarterback, and I think he offers more offensive versatility, and you can run a dual-running offense with Hurts and, um, what's his name, Miles Sanders, which offers more potential to me than just having Carson Wentz run the Reich offense again. But again, potential is not actuality. And there's probably more certainty in Carson Carson Wentz running the Reich offense to perfection than reaching the perfect dual running system that Hurts and Sanders would emulate. So that's all I have for the Eagles. Um, I'm just going to finish on the Texans. I don't even want to spend too long on this because what's been said about the Texans has already been said, or what there is to say about the Texans has already been said. It is the worst organization in all of sports. And I say that with 100% confidence. There is not a single positive about this team right now. I believe J.J. Watt's probably leaving. Deshaun Watson should be leaving. And they hired the coordinator, the passing game coordinator of the worst passing offense in the league. David Culley, former assistant to the Baltimore Ravens. Um... Given I don't know much about Cully, I'm just going off the raw details and facts of the situation. I hope everything pans out for him, but I just don't see it working. Him and Nick Casarios, their recent GM, uh, both you know stated that they're not trading Deshaun Watson and they're excited to work with him in the spring. And you know while Deshaun Watson's locked in, I don't think he'd have any doubts about sacrificing 21 million dollars to never play for this organization now of course i'm not a millionaire so i can't tell you 
whether that's a good decision or not. But the NFL, you need to take care of your health, and you definitely need to take care of your money too. But there's just no point in Deshaun Watson going out there for Houston and suiting and playing another game in the season. And David Culley offers almost no potential. He goes against everything Deshaun Watson wanted. Nick Casarios comes from the Pats, and I'm sure Deshaun doesn't want to deal with anyone from the Patriots organization. And, um, well, there uh, there was a report that came out two days ago that Jack Easterby is basically still running all the player operations, which, again, means that the GM is practically useless and has no actual power, which I thought was a concern because I was pretty sure that Belichick was just running everything in New England and it wasn't had nothing to do with Casarios. But obviously they haven't made any roster moves and they have no they just have holes everywhere. Literally every single position on the roster if we're including the fact that Deshaun Watson will not be a quarterback there. They don't have any pass rush. They don't have good cover guys. They don't have much defensive talent at all. They are bad tacklers. They don't have a good scheme that they were running last year. I believe Romeo Cornell was their defensive coordinator last year. He was terrible. Um, Offensively, you don't have a single receiver that's a number one. Brandon Cooks can't stay healthy for more than like 10, 12 games max. Will Fuller's probably out the door and good for him. Um, Who else is there? Kiki Cootie is like a cool gadget type player if you had a coach that was actually creative, which it doesn't appear as they have. They don't have a running back, they don't have a good offensive line, and they don't have a quarterback. Whatever the Texans will do this year really won't impact anything next year. I think they're going to be the worst team in the league, and I think Sam Howell is going to be the number one pick next year, quarterback out of North Carolina. I would just recommend him to uh, do what Eli Manning did and just say, I'm not going here. Because this is the worst situation in sports. And I say that with 100% confidence. And I wouldn't wish being a Texan on anyone or a Texans fan on anyone. So that's all I have to say for today. Um, Thank you for coming and listening to the show. Like I said before, we're going to slowly diversify the platform onto YouTube. And I'll have more details on that as time goes. But good night.